good god above that intro <laughs> is so so bad it's brutal it's brutal it's i think the worst part is it just cuts off man it's like we need some fading or something we need like a transition uh but hey man we're, we're on a zero dollar budget we just got started so it's it's all in the process i think we'll be okay Dude. Dude, it cuts off, and that's bad. You know that you're right. There is no fade, but it's just a bad song to begin yeah. with. Like yeah, it I mean, really that's is why just it bad. Was free. That's probably why it was free. That's true. We did get it royalty free. So <laughs> shout out to whoever these people are. They're really not that good at what they do, but I mean, hey, at least it's free. Um, so NFL draft preview, Como. Here we are, our yep. second episode. Uh, didn't even necessarily think we'd make it this far, but uh, we have also, in the meantime, purchased a minority ownership stake in the Atlanta Braves organization. I mean, congratulations to us, minority big owners, big time of an that's MLB a, team. That's always been a dream of mine to be an MLB owner, and I never thought I'd achieve it by 23, but here I am. Life here we are, good. and it cost us all of $18.12 for yes, one share of common stock in Liberty Media, who has some percentage stake in the Atlanta Braves and has sold their Atlanta Braves stake as Class A stock, one share of which we have purchased. It is down 70% in the last week. So, yes. buyer's market. This could end up actually being a great investment for us. Not only is it a great talking point, a great title, could uh, have some monetary benefits at the end of the day. So win-win for us. I mean, yeah. I I think it's going to get worse before it gets better financially. But we'll see, man. We'll see. I mean, I think think we've got a long ways to go on the downslope before we get to an upslope. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we, you know, I, I was able to present the idea to Blake and he gave a enthusiastic verbal commitment to join us in our efforts. Um, you'll hear that later on. Blake is going to give us the majority of our LSU NFL draft insight. And uh, Alex and I really today, we're going to focus on giving you options as to, uh, you know, how to keep your mind occupied during this NFL draft this year, whether you're watching it for the first time because it's the only thing on TV or, you know, you've been watching it your whole life, just a few things to kind of focus on and help kind of keep your mind occupied and help you have a good time. So our analysis is really not worth that much. Our opinions aren't that valid. We know that. So, you know, we're just trying to help you out. Yeah. We do get we get a little bit of nitty gritty though. We got a nice interview with my boy Jacob talking dolphins. We got a nice dolphins response. Um, people want to hear about the dolphins, man. So we got to give the people what they want. We talked dolphins with him for a good bit, and uh, we'll get into the Broncos, my hometown Broncos. We'll get into the Saints a little bit, but we're uh, just here to entertain you for the next hour or so. So uh, hopefully we can do that. That's it, man. That's the goal. And the first step in getting that accomplished is this Blake Ferguson interview that I had earlier on today. Unfortunately, Alex, you weren't able to take part. But uh, Blake had a lot to say. And uh, Blake and I, I think, had a pretty good time, pretty solid interview. 
and uh, hope you guys enjoy it. All right. Welcoming on to the Let It Ride podcast, we've got 2019 national champion and team captain, academic Heisman semifinalist, SEC community team member, and the number one rated long snapper in the 2020 NFL draft, Mr. Blake Ferguson. Blake, how are you doing today? What is going on? Thanks for having me. Man, we couldn't be more excited to have you. So, uh, Blake, if you could, just for a second, maybe uh, talk to me about the national championship, man. You know, greatest team in history. I mean, you, you're you a team captain. And, I mean, 20 years later, maybe going back to LSU and telling the guys that your team would just smack their team. No <laughs> doubt about it. That's going to be fun trash talk for years to come, no doubt. Um, and this year was a special team. I uh, I knew we had <clears throat> we had the pieces, but um, we just had to we had to put them all together. And um, you know, people ask me all the time about Joe, and you know, when did you know that he was going to be this good, and and all that. And I think about you know the first day I met him uh, was in June of 2018, before the 2018 season when he first showed up, and. I uh, I introduced myself to him after we ran the conditioning test, and I could tell from that moment that he had this year in him because I, I could see the competitive drive that he had. I could see the kind of swagger that he carried himself with, and um, I knew that it just needed to, to find the fit um, schematically for him to be able to just dominate everybody. Um, and obviously there's more pieces than just Joe to this national championship team, but he's kind of the, um, the, the centerpiece that everybody kind of fed off of this season. And so, you know, going into, going into every single game, everybody was confident that we were just going to tear whoever was across the, across the field from us apart because we had, we had Joe and we had all of the pieces to the puzzle. So it was an unbelievable season and one that I'll definitely uh, trash talk about for years to come. Man, there's no doubt about that. And sort of, I guess, I guess playing off of that, um, you know, if I feel like a lot of guys on the team, if you were to ask them, you know, what's a guy that doesn't necessarily get the credit he deserves, but, you know, really played a big role in making that happen. I feel like a lot of them would say you, but I guess from, from your perspective, who's maybe somebody that, that kind of flew under the radar, didn't get the sort of credit that they deserve that you would like to, I don't know, maybe acknowledge? Um, the offensive line. The off- I mean, our offensive line got a ton of credit because they were they won the, the – I think it's the Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line in the country. But, you know, they, they just were – they were snapping necks and cashing checks all season long. And um, they – I mean, you, you go back and watch the – like the Georgia game. Georgia was touted as one of the best defenses in the country, best best defensive line in the country, maybe outside of Auburn. And, I mean, those dudes just dominated the Georgia defensive line. And and so I, I can't give them enough credit because th- they deserve every bit of it. Um, you know, they – I think about guys, especially the guys that are coming out this year, like Damian Lewis, guys like Lloyd Cushenberry, Sadiq Charles. Those guys were – those guys were 
the one of the pieces that allowed Joe and, and the rest of the receivers and the skill players on offense to to do what they do best. And um, so they I don't think that they got the credit that they deserve this season. And um, even after winning the top 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 offensive line award, I think they still deserve even more credit than they already got. Man, I tell you, you know, you talk about Cushenberry and, you know, guys like him, guys like Justin Jefferson that were the last guy in in their respective recruiting class. I mean, how how much confidence does it give you to know that Cushenberry is going to probably be like a first, second round pick? Jay Jets is a top half of the first round type prospect. And hey, man, I mean, you were you were <laughs> rated right around their their range coming out of high school. I mean, you, Jay Jets and Cushenberry were actually right there in the same range. That's got to give you a lot yeah. of confidence. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't pay too much attention to the, to the recruiting rankings and stuff like that because um, everybody shows up on campus and it's about, it's about who can, who can perform when the lights are on and the, when the lights shine brightest. And you see guys year after year after year that come in with one, two, Damian Lewis had no stars coming out of high school. He had no division one college offers and went to a juco and worked his way up and so i mean time after time you see guys that turn out to be absolute studs that that came from um whatever it is one two stars or anything like that so um you know i don't i don't put too much thought into it too much credit to it because um you know it's time after time it's it's proven uh that it's that it's not 100 percent accurate but you know Guys, I admire those guys a lot. Guys like Lloyd, guys like um, Justin Jefferson, guys like, you know, the Foster Moros of the world who were the sort of the underdog. And they kind of took on that persona, um, you know, the last five or six guys that have signed um, like last in their signing class to LSU have all gone to the league. Um, Guys like Duke Riley, guys like Foster, guys like Russell Gage. Um, this year it'll be Justin Jefferson. The last guy to sign, the, the guy that gets offered on signing day is the guy that works works his tail off and, and really shows that underdog mentality and, and will ultimately play on Sundays. So I, I have a lot of admiration for those guys. Talking about playing on Sundays, man, if you could just give us a little bit of a window into into what this draft process has been like for you, I guess, especially since the Senior Bowl you haven't had the opportunity to meet with anybody face to face, I wouldn't think. And uh, yeah. maybe how it's it, it might be even more unique for a guy like you, you know, long snapper who's competing for one of thirty two jobs. Yeah, it's it's certainly unique, and um, you know, I was fortunate to have been able to go to both the Senior Bowl and the Combine. Um, there were two snappers invited to to the Senior Bowl, obviously, and then two snappers invited the combine and I was, I was one of those. And so, you know, to have that access to the, um, to the coaches, to the GMs, to the scouts and everybody that's, that are watching the, those performances, um, you're, you're one of two as a long snapper. And so, you know, for me, I, I feel very fortunate to have had that opportunity because you look around this spring and it's obviously very different. Um, from from previous draft classes because nobody's been able to have pro days, and so um, I, I I feel for the other snappers in this draft class and the other players um, that haven't been able to have a pro day because they they don't effectively don't get to 
um, show anything besides what's on film. And so, you know, for me, I, I feel like I have an upper hand in this, in the, in the draft because of that reason. And, um, and I feel like that I'm, I'm very blessed and fortunate to have been in that opportunity and been in that situation. No doubt, man. And I mean, you know, you look at it, there's been a long snapper drafted in each of the last five drafts. And I mean, I think with the senior bowl, with the combine, you've certainly put yourself in a position to be that guy if the card should sort of fall that way again. And um, playing off of of all that, you know, the um, Patrick Manley Award, my friend, the (laughs) first year that they awarded it, uh, 2019, uh, the long snapper of the year, and it went to John Shannon of the University of Notre Dame. Uh, I was shocked to find out that you were not even a finalist for that award. And I I guess my question is, you know, how do you even – how do these these guys evaluate a long snapper? Is it the snap? Is it the – kick coverage is it the blocking i mean you know what what are the factors i guess when you're looking at um and i guess i'll say first you know i have i have a lot of respect for john and and i've i've known him for a long time so um he he was very deserving of that award and um all the credit goes to him because I, i know that he he works his tail off just like everybody else and so um you know this year unfortunately i wasn't i wasn't included in the finalist list and you know, that's fine. That was my, my goal has never been to win the individual awards. I'm, I'm a team first guy and I, I want the team to succeed in, in, in any way that I can. And and I want to be able to help the team in that way. And so, you know, for me, it's never been about winning the individual awards. Um, and so it never really came across my radar, uh, all that strongly, but, um, I guess the, the way that, long snappers get evaluated is kind of different because there's not really stats or anything else that um, really go into snapping. Um, It's all just sort of intangibles about what you do. And so, you know, for, for the college level, it's mainly about the snap um, accuracy, speed, that kind of thing. And then how well you can get down in coverage and go make a tackle. But um, in the NFL, there's another piece to the puzzle because um, the on a on a pro style punt, the only people that can leave the line of scrimmage on the snap of the ball are the two end men, two end men on the line of scrimmage. So effectively, the gunners. So the gunners are the only two that can run downfield when the ball is snapped. And so for me, um, I have to I have to protect now. Um, instead of going down and, and making a tackle uh, and getting a head start in coverage. And so that's sort of a little bit of a transition um, from, from college to the NFL. But having an older brother who has been doing it for the last four years and uh, knowing that I wanted to, to do this at some point, I, I went ahead and got started working on it two years ago. And so I feel like I have um, plenty of experience you know, seeing those kind of looks and um, practicing, you know, the protection aspect of it, because, um, you know, a lot of guys don't don't have a resource like their older brother playing in the NFL for for four years when you get to make that transition. So um, that's kind of the difference. Uh, But, you know, 
for me, the, the main thing that I'm getting graded on right now um, by the NFL scouts and coaches is my protection. When, when, they, when they look at video, um, like I sent, out a, I sent out a pro day video um, so that they could, they could see my improvement from the senior bowl to the combine to, uh, to my quote-unquote pro day. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of what they're looking at. And so, um, they know that the snap is going to be there. They know that I'm good in protect or good in coverage. They want to know how well can this guy protect. And so, um, that's really the, the main piece that they're, that they're looking for. So, uh, Blake, you know, going back to the Patrick Manley award, uh, the only explanation I could think of for why you might not have made the finalist list was your extensive off-the-field issues that I guess we could discuss. Um, I mean, <laughs> the chair of the SEC Football Leadership Council, SEC Community Service Team, a four-time academic honor roll, I just, you know, I mean, if I had a daughter, there's no way I would let her go anywhere near you, Blake. Um, Causing all kinds of trouble. I mean, I guess your latest crime would be your work with the Baton Rouge Food Bank. Um, if you would, I don't know, maybe you'd like to go into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, the you know, one of the things that we wanted to do during this time was to give back to um, a city and a, a university that gave so much to us. And um, so my brother and I, while we were just kind of home in quarantine, came across a pair of cleats that we had had um, that had never been used. And we were like, why don't we, why don't we sign these and try and raise some money uh, to, for the Baton Rouge Food Bank? And so, um, so that's what we did. We released a video last Thursday and gave uh, our followers and whoever a week to um, donate to the food bank and to um, send us in their, uh, their, their confirmation so that we could kind of tally up uh, the number of entries that they would get into the, into the contest. But, uh, you know, we just felt like this was a good opportunity for us to give back to the city of Baton Rouge because um, obviously there's that the Louisiana has been a hotbed for the coronavirus. And so I know that there's a lot of people in the state that are struggling um, and, and especially in Baton Rouge. And so um, that was just one opportunity that we felt would be good to uh, just reach out and, and, um, and show our love for, for Baton Rouge and, and the, the city that was so good to us. No doubt, man. And, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, you've you've definitely been causing a lot of problems off the field. And uh, we're, we're just we're so happy to have you out of Baton Rouge. I mean, just stirring up all that trouble. But anyway, man, we, uh, you know, I, I think I think something that that people haven't been talking about and something you need to be ready for is, uh, you know, you talk about your brother. He's the long snapper for the Bills, obviously. And uh, I just I feel like you need to be prepared. If, if the Bills call you, you know, maybe day two, day three of the draft, and they say, you know, hey, it's not working out with Reed. I mean, his, his jersey number is immature. You know, he's we need a guy with a better head of hair or something like that, and they say they want you to replace him. What's the move? What do you do? How do you react? Man, 
Man, I that it's funny you say that because the Bills are the only team that I have not met with um, throughout this entire process. Really? So, um, yeah, they I've met with all thirty-one other teams, and uh, there's kind of an understanding there that this is this is hands-off territory, and um, you know the the Bills are the Bills are so incredibly happy with Reed and. Um, the kind of leader that he's become for their team, the the performer that he's been, um, because he's I would put him in the top five in the league uh, in terms of long snappers. And so, you know, um, I think I think that there's kind of an understanding there that that this is this would make Thanksgiving a little bit awkward if, if we were to end up in training camp together. No doubt. So, no doubt. Um, so, you know, it's it, it's funny because I. I I hear from um, his special teams coordinator and their their assistant quite a bit, just sending me encouragement and um, you know telling me that they're they're wishing the best for me and and that really to me that means a lot just to know that they um, they they see my talent level, um, but they also understand you know this is a this is a family thing and and um, we wouldn't dare go there so um, you know it's it's. I have a lot of respect for for Coach McDermott up in up in Buffalo and, and the rest of his staff. No doubt, man. We, um, you know, I I don't know if you heard this. Are you a regular listener of uh, Pardon My Take? <laughs> I love those guys. I uh, I haven't listened a ton recently, um, but I I used to listen more regularly uh, about a year or so ago, and uh, I actually was able to meet um big cat and, and pmt when they came to baton rouge they they came by the hotel for a little bit um before we played bama at home in 2018 so i was able to uh meet them get to talk to them and chat it up with, with them a little bit those guys are those guys are awesome so the reason actually that that i approached you to come on to this podcast is on monday's episode they had daniel jeremiah on and they asked him to rank his top five long snappers. And that was your opportunity to get the plug. And Daniel Jeremiah <laughs> dodged the question. I'm talking about he Man. ran from it. And I thought to myself, we've got to get the number one long snapper on. We have to give him some kind of format, Man. some kind of forum to get the word out man we have to yeah that's the disrespect is is so strong right now the disrespect <laughs> is very strong man last thing he uh so what what did he say did he just say that he didn't he, he didn't i tell you was it that he hadn't done his homework i'll do what? you one better i'll play the clip or he didn't know any long snappers off the top of his head i got the clip right here i'll do you oh, one better. here we go Right, right. Um, who are your top five long snappers? I know you've done a lot of research on that. Uh, I, you know what? I like to keep that close. We're trying to get big broadcast numbers. It's a joint affair with NFL Network and ESPN this year. And for me to release my long snapper ratings after the draft is just that's not in the in the best order. There, you got to yeah. say. I mean, come on, Daniel. Wow. Like, come on, man. Wow. What are we doing? Somebody has. Somebody hasn't done their homework. Somebody is dodging. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that's just yeah, unprofessional, yeah. man. That's that's funny. And you know, uh, the the it's always funny year after year to to look into um, you know the the draft analysts and and the 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 Mel Kuypers and the 
Todd McShays of the world who who released two, three, four, and five versions of their of their mock draft, and um, you know guys are are like ninety nine percent wrong or something with their mock drafts, but um, you know it's it, it's hard for those guys. I, I get it. It's hard for those guys to to scout snappers because they don't really know what goes into a long snapper, and there's no stats. So I, I get it, but um, you know I, I don't. Like I said, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to to those guys and and to what they say because, um, you know, what really matters is is the the calls that I'm getting from coaches and the calls that I'm getting from different uh, front office staff members. I mean, apparently, 31 calls. You you're t- you've spoken yeah. to 31 teams. Yeah, I've uh, yeah I've met with uh, 15 or 16 of them post combine. So, um, you know, there's there's certainly interest, and I'm I'm very fortunate for that. That's that's unreal, man. And I tell you, the the last thing that I'd like to talk about with you, you know, you, um, I firmly believe that you are in a position here to get drafted, and that means you are about to run into, you know, a fairly significant payday. And um, my co-host and I, who unfortunately couldn't make it on for this interview, we have actually purchased a minority ownership stake in the Atlanta Braves. And Ooh. I know you're a Georgia guy. So this this stock that we've begun to accrue, I mean, it, it, you want to talk about a let it ride kind of scenario. It's a buyer's market right now. It's down 70 week. And you can buy the now. So if this thing works out for you, we would like to recruit you to join our minority ownership group. And maybe we can take this thing over one day. Man, that would be... That would be something. Um, are they publicly traded now? So here's the deal. Or, or how does that how does that work? Here's the deal. I know the pack. I know the Packers. You can buy like stock in, or you can buy. You can purchase. They're like publicly traded um, and owned by like the the city of Green Bay or whatever. But I didn't know that you could buy minority stock in the Braves. The Liberty Media Group, also known as Sirius XM, they have got, I think, maybe like a 20-something percent stake in the Atlanta Braves, and their interest in the Atlanta Braves is being sold as a separate classification of stock in their um, company. You know, it's, a, it's like a Class A stock is their Braves holdings. And you can purchase a portion of their Braves holdings through that Class A stock. We have taken that step. We're gathering influencers, people with deeper pockets than us to sort of provide the capital. And then we'll make the decisions. We'll sort of have the power and the influence and you'll have, you know, the profits, the proceeds. Wow. I, uh, I'll have to approach my, uh, financial advisor with that, uh, that business venture, because that sounds very intriguing. I'm a big, big baseball fan. Um, at heart, I am a Red Sox fan, but being from the city of Atlanta, I also support, uh, the, the Atlanta Braves. We also live about two miles from their stadium. So we're, we're a stone's throw away from, uh, what was SunTrust now truest park. So, wow. um, might have to might have to look into that opportunity. 
So what I just heard was that you are locked in. You are ready to go. We are looking <laughs> forward to receiving your capital. And we, you know, th- this is going to be a great business venture going forward. This could be your financial future after the NFL. Yes, truly. this is the this is it. I don't even have to this go back it. to work after playing football. <laughs> That's a verbal commitment. I appreciate it. Blake Ferguson, thank you so much for stopping by, man. We uh, we had a great time, and uh, you know we're we're trying to get off the ground here. We uh, we appreciate you stopping by. Absolutely, anytime. Uh, I tell you what, Como, the the thing that I enjoyed the most about Blake, and and you know, you and I have a lot of experience with this too, is just kind of knowing your role. You know, Blake is a long snapper. Blake knows he's not going to get a lot of attention. And, and we've been there. We, we know how that is, even more so. I mean, we never even touched the court. You know, we, we are totally behind the scenes. And it's just it's refreshing to see a guy like him who's got a legitimate opportunity to get drafted but still humble, willing to talk to us. Blake is uh, definitely, I feel like, one of those guys who you need in the locker room. Uh, you know, probably – not as big of a role as most guys on the field, but I don't, his role is probably very big in the locker room for leadership purposes. But, you know, like you said, I wasn't there. I had to work, which sucks. Um, I wish I could have picked his brain a little bit, but uh, I just wanted to give him a shout-out, man. Like, he's going to the – well, he's, the NFL drafts tomorrow. He's hoping to get drafted. He's hoping to be the only guy at his position to get picked up. And he takes uh, 20 minutes out of his day to talk to this podcast that got started tomorrow or yesterday. Uh, pretty cool stuff, man. I wish uh, wish I could thank him, but I enjoyed it. Enjoyed Very cool experience. stuff, man. Very cool stuff. And, uh, you know, I mean, the thing with him is, you know, he's just he's the best at what he does. It, it's a it's a limited, maybe a little bit of a narrow role, but he's the very best at what he does. And And I had a lot of experience with that. I mean. In high school, I set the Mississippi State record for technical fouls by an equipment manager. <laughs> that still stands. I was the best. And I didn't want any glory, but I was the best at getting the team going, that technical foul to start the second half, to really kind of turn things around, because we spent a lot of time trailing. And you needed that edge, man. You needed that shot in the arm. And I had it. I had it. But I didn't ask for the glory. You know, I really yeah. didn't. I'd love to hear your uh, head coach's opinion on that. But that might have to be an interview for another day. There was no way I was going to get fired. There was <laughs> nobody else going to be an equipment manager for a 3A Catholic school, high school basketball team. It was, it was yeah. me or nobody else. Fair nobody enough. else was going to do that. Fair so enough. I had a lot of job security. I was able to make myself indispensable. And that's what Blake Ferguson's doing, man. Blake Ferguson is going to be a great long snapper in the league. And we're trying to come up with a promotion uh, for you guys. Uh, Whoever it is that gets the closest to guessing Blake Ferguson's draft position is going to win some kind of prize. And, uh, you know, we're we're working on that. Yeah. But why don't we get into the draft, man? Let's let's get some uh, let's get some nitty gritty going on. Talk about yeah, man. Bets, talk about potential drinking games, maybe responsible drinking games. No doubt, man. So, so prop bets. We were uh, we were talking about that earlier on you and I, and uh, 
I think personally, there's there's a couple of these out here that are easy money, easy, easy money. I mean, automatic. And, you know, for example, from my perspective, I look at a prop bet like uh, will a first round draft pick pop a bottle of champagne on screen? That is a prop bet on betonline.ag. Not encouraging gambling here, but if you were to gamble, I would take that bet. Plus 350. For those of you who don't know what that means, plus 350. If you were to bet $100 on that and win, you would get $450 back. Uh, So that's kind of long odds there. But will any draftee pop champagne? I have no doubt that they will. I have no doubt. Think about the events the events that you've been to in your life where people have popped champagne. How many, I mean, I went to birthday parties in high school where people pop champagne. The only thing, this is the only thing I would say about that though. Like it's going to have to be on camera for them to confirm it. Are guys going to do it on camera? Like there's no doubt they're going to do it behind the scenes, but on camera might be another story. I don't know though. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at the details here. Must be clearly seen during the broadcast. And it is the, it is the manager's decision as to when it pays out. So that's, a, that's another wrinkle. I have no idea what that means. Yeah. But sure I, just think, I just think, come on, man. You know, somebody's popping champagne. Yeah. And plus 350, I'm, I'm taking that. There's no doubt. Como, well, looking at the board, what, what do you feel comfortable with? So I don't know about if I feel comfortable about this, but something that really, really intrigues me uh, on, also on Bet Online: who will number one overall pick hug first? So there's a lot of layers to this. First, first layer, um, it was pretty much confirmed today. It's going to be Joe Burrow. So now the question is, who will Joe Burrow hug first? On the board, we got mom, dad, girlfriend, sibling, friend. So the second layer in my mind to this, I don't really know the mechanics of this, how this draft is going to work. Like, are they going to go to the Goodell feed? And then he's going to say, with the first pick of the draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Joe Burrow. And then they're going to go to, like, the Joe Burrow feed. Um, but I I'm kind of almost think that he's just going to be, like, chilling by himself. Like, that just seems like something Joe Burrow would do, just, like, on camera by himself. His parents are, like, on the other side of the camera, you know. But – the, and then the third layer is mom is the favorite, minus 150. And all we've heard this whole season is about his dad, you know. Oh, his dad was a defensive coordinator for 30 years, retired just to watch his son play. Like, I'm liking dad plus 300, man. Like, if, if, if he is going to be on camera with his family, I'm thinking Joe Burrow goes to his dad first because him and his dad have, like, been in it together. You know, he's been watching film with his dad dad kind of groomed him from a young age so i'm thinking i'm taking dad plus 300 that's a good bet to me and i tell you what man another thing to take into account is girlfriend is plus 300 we need to get the analytics department on this but i don't know that joe burrow has a girlfriend i think and he does. then i think he does I, you know, I've heard that and I've heard the contrary. I've, I've heard a lot of conflicting reports in that area. And, and if that plus 300 is, is not even really existent on the board, if that's something that, you know, 
we really shouldn't even be taken into account. I especially like dad at plus 300. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what else you got on the board here? Let's see, man. We, we also got, um, will ESPN mention that Jake from played in the little league world series? The favorite is yes at minus 140. But that that to me feels like easy money. You gotta talk about Jake Fromm. And if you talk about Jake Fromm, you're talking about the fact that he played in the Little League World Series. And the fact that it's ESPN and the Little League World Series is on ESPN, that's like double plug for them. You know, that's like free advertising. So another one I liked, uh will pizza be seen in any drafty home? I mean if they're having the party, which I don't know if they will with the social distancing stuff, that's kind of a lock. I mean, it's minus 600 yes, so that's kind of terrible odds, but I think it's a lock. Dude, I think it's definitely a lock because no matter how many people you have at your house, you know, even in times like this, it, you're going to have pizza at an event <laughs> like that. I mean, it's just like if you have a gathering of people in a living room, there's pizza. Yeah. 95% of the time. <laughs> so it's minus 600. Like you said, that's bad odds. Like it's not really a very good payout. But like at the end of the day, come on, you take your money where you get it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. If you were to gamble, which I don't gamble anymore. So anyway, we'll pop off a few more. Let's see. Uh, highest number of people in the same room. That one's interesting. It's over under nine and a half. Uh, right at because of the oh boy right at that threshold but I mean you gotta ask yourself like is somebody gonna break the whole quarantine rule I feel like somebody is yeah not everybody's gonna adhere to it somebody Um, has a huge family like all in the same city and they're just gonna be like you know what we need to be there for this moment it's gonna be like 15 people for sure I mean, think about it. There's probably somebody who has like 10 siblings. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's probably somebody somewhere in this draft who they're showing that has, you know, a, a big enough immediate family to break that threshold. Probably yeah. somebody. I don't know who, but probably somebody. Um, Here's one. Uh, will a team executive or prospect lose power? The no is minus 1500, but I feel like yes is not that far fetched. Okay, fair. I agree with that. Um, will the NFL draft be hacked? No is minus 2,000, but yes is plus 700. That would... that, that's one that I would, I would have fun rooting for that. <laughs> like, if I bet yes, you know, you're probably not going to win. Like, come on, is somebody going to hack this thing? Probably not. But I would have a great time just watching the draft, rooting for that to happen. You just, you know, they're about to... Goodell comes on, about to announce the third pick. All of a sudden, the anonymous mask just pops up. You're like, oh, boy, here we go, baby. That's something you would definitely have to, if you're playing like a drinking game, that's like that's like chug your drink, take a shot, something like combined. Yes. Because that's, that's, that would be insane. And pretty, I mean, I guess pretty common practice here with the NFL draft is some form of a drinking game. And the thing about, uh, in NFL draft drinking game, in my experience, is the best way to kind of do it is divide, uh, I don't know, occurrences into sort of tiers of how likely they are to happen. 
And as the occurrence or the phrase or the word gets more unlikely, you increase the intake that's correlated with that event. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. like if it's really common, it's just a sip. You know, if it's something like, uh, oh, yeah, like this guy's a real student of the game. Or like <laughs> yeah. this guy you know, hey, this guy is sort of yeah. sneaky fast. Like, this guy is... He has all the intangibles. Anytime yes, you hear intangibles. He... Yeah, or you, somebody's 40 time, or their vertical leap, or their wonderlick, or something like that. You know, the, those things that sort of happen all the time, that's a sip kind of event. But and... see, this this draft really leads itself to a lot of interesting possibilities, because then you can get into all the virtual stuff like will somebody lag out you know will somebody lose power will it get hacked one that i i think i already brought it up but one that i liked was like uh how many guys anytime you see like a virtual background like a zoom virtual background like roger goodell is gonna get up on there like he's uh in front of those those screens for a press conference with like the nfl logo all over it that'll be his virtual background Something like that, or somebody's just gonna have some really troll background. I don't like. Yes. Can they, can they regulate that? You know, like what? What is somebody? There's gotta to... be. There's gotta be some kind of way to sort of dictate what you can and can't do. But I agree. Like a like a virtual background, something you know, straight out of like episode one, episode two of Star Wars. Like you know, <laughs> that kind of green screen looking thing. That's you know, that's maybe like a five second chug, and then. You know, I mean, there, there's like you said, there's a lot of possibilities this time around. You know, is somebody's pick is is too late? I, the only time I remember that happening, Baltimore Ravens, Jimmy Smith. I think it was 2011, uh, into the first round. They were the the Ravens didn't get their pick in in time, and they had to just relinquish that <laughs> draft spot to whoever was below them. That's like insane. it was a free trade up. It was a free one spot trade up. How do you and, let that happen, honestly? Dude, especially, <laughs> like, in a normal situation. Not even not even in times like this where you're right. doing something that you're not used to. It's It was a totally normal draft, and they just let the time go by. And apparently they ended up getting who they wanted anyway, so it didn't matter. But that's the precedent, and apparently that's, you know, the way they handle it if you're late getting your pick in. But... I don't know. That's the kind of thing that you could sort of add. And one, um, one thing that I uh, haven't seen, which I think would be an interesting uh, thing. You think uh, old Tua is going to be wearing one of those Hawaiian lays? I mean, I think that's a pretty good chance, right? There's a solid enough possibility. And, you know, I, I think that that's something you could incorporate maybe, but, I, uh, you know, uh, there, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for that, for that to come up, uh, anytime we've got someone native to the Hawaiian islands or something like that, that is a possibility. So that's something that you could incorporate again as like maybe a second or third tier type of event, like a five second chug or, you know, a shot, something like that. But the ultimate event that we need to be preparing for from, uh, the perspective of any drinking game that you and I take part in is Blake Ferguson getting drafted. Oh yeah. Friend That's of the show the now. He uh he's the the gold standard for us. 
That's like a keg stand or something, man. I don't know what it is, but it's something. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to get some fireworks. I'm going to have to get some kind of something to express my excitement properly because now I and you and anyone listening to the show should be just emphatically rooting for Blake Ferguson to get drafted. No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. And I, I think he will personally, but we'll see. Um, and again, whoever it, whoever gets closest to guessing when and if that happens, we're going to have some kind of promo. We're figuring that out. If somebody's got an idea, shoot it our way, as is always the case. Uh, we're always crowdsourcing. We're always looking for ideas from outside. So just let us know if you've got a good idea. Absolutely. Uh, you want to get into some actual draft talk, man? That's the plan. We've got uh, we've got your boy Jacob Morris coming in to talk about the Miami Dolphins, a team that I don't think any of us have heard any draft analysis on. But uh, you might as well be informed because they've got fourteen picks, and uh, you know maybe that's something you'd like to hear. So. Jacob's going to give us a little Dolphins draft analysis, then I think you and I are going to go into the Broncos a little bit, and we'll be, uh, we'll be good to go after that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world listening to this podcast, it's a great honor, perhaps the highest honor for me today, uh, to be joined by our resident Miami Dolphins expert, a um, person who I also go back a few years in college, one of the first people I met. And uh, to this day, remain one of my best friends, Jacob Morris. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Wow, it's uh, it's great to be here. It's an honor. Um, I'm doing well. I'm just excited to be here. I'm a huge fan of the show. I think I've been following probably since the very beginning, I guess I could say. I'm excited to provide my expertise and just happy to have a good time. Good, man. I'm glad you brought up your expertise because I'm sure there's a lot of people uh, listening at home. I know... We got a we got a pretty overwhelming Miami Dolphins response. People, more people responded saying that they wanted to hear about the Dolphins draft preview than we probably thought we were going to listen to the show. So, uh, you know, for for the Dolphins fans listening who are skeptical of your expertise, maybe just talk about it. Talk about your Dolphins origins and why why you know so much. Yeah, gladly. Um, well, I've been a Dolphins fan as long as I can remember. Probably, let's see, I was born in 96. Probably, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years. Um, I'm a Dolphins fan just because that's how I was brought up. My dad was always a Dolphins fan, so him cheering the Dolphins on Sundays ever since I can remember I was doing the same thing. Um, let's see. I've been following them. They've been my favorite sports team ever since. ever since then. Um, I can remember for anyone doubting my expertise, I can remember when they went one in 15, their only victory was a 63 yard slant down the middle touchdown in overtime against the Ravens to Greg Camarillo. Not many people would remember that if you're not a fan, <laughs> it wasn't a very exciting season. One in 15. I mean, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so that's a little bit about my background. Jacob, I think that the best way to validate your expertise on the Dolphins uh, would be right now, off the cuff, if you could name more than five players on the team, I think you would be validated. 
yeah, fair enough. That's actually um, that'd be considering our Rosses passes was mostly undrafted people. That's kind of a, a challenge, but let's see. We'll go Raquan McMillan, Jerome Baker, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> let's see. It's magic. Have... Oh yeah, Fitzmagic. Sorry, terrible fan here. Xavier Howard. Um, we just signed Byron Jones. I think that might even be six. I don't know. I lost count, but. That should be enough. Yeah, I think that's fair. I could have honestly could have named you Fitzmagic. And I don't, is Kenyon Drake still on the team? I don't even know. He is no, not. We actually traded him to the Cardinals mid season. See, I'm not a fan. And fun fact about Mitz, uh, Fitzmagic is he was our leading rusher this past season. <laughs> he is a dual threat quarterback for those who don't know. Jesus Christ. Wow. <clears throat> dual threat and Harvard grad. Really a triple threat. <laughs> that dude has everything going for him. <laughs> Including a beard. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll just jump right into it. I know, <clears throat> I guess, obviously, I just showed my casual fandom. I didn't know Kenyon Drake was not on the team anymore. But for the casual fan, I know they obviously have the fifth pick. And pretty much it's down to Tua or Justin Herbert. We'll get into that later because – that's kind of the main the main point. But uh, for other people who aren't aware, I know they have a lot of picks. So I'm not sure exactly what they have. But what do they need, in your opinion? And what where should they go? And talk about, like, specific picks that they have, because I don't know, and what, what you think they should take with their specific picks. So, yeah, we definitely have a lot, a lot of picks. We have five in the first two rounds alone three in the first and two in the second. I think we have 11 or 12 total somewhere around there. I'm not sure, but yeah. No, it we is have five actually in the first two uh, rounds. 14, Jacob. A whopping 14. Oh, my God. Wow. That's, that's two drafts in one. Yes. But so, yeah, first round we have five, 18, and 26. Um, second round, 39 and 56, I believe is what it is. So – Biggest needs are offensive line everywhere, guards, centers, tackles, just entire offensive line. Quarterback. Um, I could see us taking a running back in the mid-rounds, um, but mostly offense, maybe like a edge rusher on defense. Our defense is solid for the most part, I think. So expected to be an offensive line and offensive heavy draft. Would you like to see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire drafted to the Miami Dolphins in the mid to late round? Um. I might be a little biased, but I'd be ecstatic. Uh, I've I've done thousands of mock drafts over the past week. I mean, when I'm not working, that's all I'm doing. Half the time I am working, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Just endless mock drafts. And I seem to find myself picking him with either our either our later second round pick or our third round pick. Um so I would I would definitely be ecstatic if we ended up with him. Uh what I about think... I think off the cuff, uh, if I if I could just interject for a moment, uh, Jacob, one of the questions that comes to mind uh, for me when I think about the Miami Dolphins draft situation here is um, what sort of uh, igniter and fuel would you use to burn your Dolphins gear if they were to draft Justin Herbert? <laughs> um, I have, I have. I believe I have lighter fluid or torch fluid readily available downstairs. So that might be the easiest option. Whatever, whatever gets me the quickest flame, 
that that'd probably be my go-to. So you would agree that a Pac-12 quarterback at five is not ideal? Not at five. If we trade down, I I'm still not a Herbert fan. Um, if we trade down, I'd be less upset. If we take him at five, or if we trade up for him, I might never watch football again. But yeah, taking him at five or above, I would not be happy. I just think when I look at him, I just think to myself, this is Marcus Marcus Mariota were significantly worse at most I, facets of the game. I find myself continually comparing him to um, Mitchell Trubisky. I think, I mean, what Trubisky went three, I think. Um, he The Bears traded up for him. Um, didn't work out for him very well. They're He's pretty bad. but Drafted him over why. Patrick Mahomes. Just going to throw that out there. And Deshaun Watson yeah. at that. So, uh, yeah, I view him as the next Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, I saw uh, a tweet you had today. I know maybe you can plug <laughs> maybe you can plug your Twitter, get some followers. I know this this podcast extends to a wide range of people, but yeah, um, real quick plug at underscore Jacob Morris seven. There you go. Um, I expect three hundred followers by the end of the night. By the way, but we'll see how that goes. If you're at two hundred ninety eight, we might be able to get you there. <laughs> or, or, sorry, three hundred more. I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> lofty goals lofty. yeah on uh on, on your twitter this morning i did happen to see a tweet where it, i don't know i'm paraphrasing but it was something along the lines of if the miami dolphins traded up for justin herbert i will deep fry and eat a pair of my basketball shorts so that that is correct i did post that i was inspired oh, a while back i had seen a dude i forget what the bet was it was another sports related bet the dude lost and he had to eat a pair of jeans or at least some of a pair of jeans. And he did it. He posted a video and everything. So that inspired me, um, made it a little interesting for the draft. So hopefully I won't be any eating any fried basketball shorts uh, Thursday night. So here's a follow-up question. If that happens, are you going to follow through? I plan to, <laughs> I, mean, I didn't, I didn't, when I tweeted it, I didn't plan for it to be an empty tweet. <laughs> So I'm I'm really hoping I don't have to. Uh, like obviously, when I tweeted, I was kind of confident. So let's hope I don't have to. But I might try it for the for the memes. If, if <laughs> that would the situation that would arises. definitely help our podcast uh, for sure. Now, um, Jacob, you know, three first round picks. Um, give your dream scenario. Three guys that get taken with those three picks that would be an absolute A-plus grade from your perspective. So should I make it kind of realistic or just overall the very best? Go, go realistic. Like some people who could realistically be there at each option. Right. So definitely I think two at five. Um, I think that would be the best case scenario. 18, I see us, depending on who's available, I want, I think, best case scenario for 18 would be one of the top four offensive tackles. So, Becton from Louisville. Um, you have Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. Uh, Andrew Thomas from Georgia. And last one slipping me. But 
I really I'm a big fan of Tristan Wirfs. Oh, the last one is Jedrick Wills from Alabama. Um, I'm a big fan of Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. I think that'd be best case. And then 26, either another offensive tackle, depending on who's available. I know Josh Jones out of Houston should be there at 26. Or there's the center from Michigan, uh, Ruiz. Uh, his first name slipping me. Cesar. But the center from Michigan, yeah. Cesar Ruiz. He should be there at 26. So I'm definitely going quarterback five as long as it's Tua. I like Jordan Love if we miss out on Tua somehow. But best case, I would say Tua at five, either Tristan Wirfs or Andrew Thomas at 18. And then, like, yeah, Ruiz or another tackle at 26. So Tua is an interesting topic to me. Because, well, I have reservations on Tua, Love, and Herbert. But, I mean, out of those three, I would say I think Tua is obviously the best option. But Tua, to me, is also a question mark because I think he is fragile. And I think that's kind of a big concern with a lot of people. Um. Well, obviously, I agree. I think anyone who doesn't agree, you probably just don't watch football if you don't agree that he's – Fragile. Um, I I would agree with that. I think he has two. Obviously, has by far, and it kind of pains me to say this. I think he has the most upside, even over our boy Joe Burrow. I think Joe's deservedly going to be the number one pick. He's going to be a great quarterback, but I think to a ceiling might be a little bit higher. But I think his floor is also lower because I mean we, he's one or two injuries away from not playing. Obviously. Um, I can't think of any any injury history with Joe Burrow. Yeah, but Burrow's a tank. I mean, I think if Tua's <laughs> healthy, he'll be he'll be fantastic. If he's not healthy, obviously he won't be on the field to show anything. So I think most people would agree with the fact that he's fragile. The fact that him being on the field is what's going to drive his success. But I think if he is on that field, then he's going to ball. Now, give us uh, a nice. Late round steal. Give me like a seventh, a day three, a day three pick. Oh man, I that you would just go crazy. Uh, honestly, I haven't even thought about this whatsoever. When I do my mock drafts, I only do the first three rounds. Um, just because that's where the most action and it's most interesting. But the first name that popped to mind when you asked that question was Thad Moss. I think, um, He's not going to go high at all. I think he'll be a sixth or seventh round pick. Dolphins tight ends are a little thin. We could maybe go for a tight end that, that late. I'm not really sure there, but I would love that Moss, obviously being an LSU product, being the son of Randy Moss, always been a big, uh, big fan of his. and So that could be a late round pick. Okay. I think uh, I think the Dolphins, uh, let's, uh, let's make a prediction next year. How many dubs we got? Uh, dubs, dubs. I don't ooh, see. I was already going to make one bold take on here, so I guess I'll throw it in right now. So my bold take that I was thinking about when I found out I was coming on this fantastic podcast was that I think the Dolphins are going to win the division. Wow. I think we're going worst to first. Very bold take. But you got – Tom Brady's not no longer New England. They're 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 not going to win. I don't think unless Bill Belichick's 
Houdini. I don't see them winning the division. In my opinion, as most people think it's going to be the Bills, rightfully so. Bills made the playoffs last year. Um, Jets, Dolphins usually have the Jets number, whatever. I don't know. I'm just feeling we have three first round picks. Our record was a lot worse than I think we were last year just because we were trying to tank for one of the highest picks. I don't know. It's a bull take for sure, but we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. So record-wise, I don't know what our schedule looks like. I haven't even looked at our schedule. I'm going to say 9-7, and seven, maybe 10-6. and six. I don't know if 9-7 and seven will win us the division. Maybe yeah, I'll say I'll say nine and seven in a playoff team. Maybe not win the division, but the division will be my my, my bold take. I know you guys got a hard mile high battle in the thin <laughs> Rocky Mountain air in Denver, Colorado. So that's an L for sure. You guys are gonna get halfway through the fourth quarter, the whole team's gonna just stop breathing. So I got fourth quarter with with no action up there, man. We gotta hope we make it through the first quarter. <laughs> Old Pinocchio hands Drew Locke. I don't know if I don't know if he'll be able to beat the mighty Dolphins next year. Yeah, well, this isn't the Broncos segment. We'll talk about Drew Locke later, but uh, yeah, man, appreciate your uh, Dolphins insight, especially for a guy like me who not familiar with the Dolphins at all. I definitely definitely learned something in the last twenty minutes. Hopefully, a lot of our listeners did too. No. Um, um... Dude, when I found out I was invited on here, I smiled from ear to ear, bro. I've been watching the show from the beginning and huge <laughs> fans, and I have, I have the poster <laughs> on my wall. Um, so, yeah, no, just glad I could be here. Thank you for having me on and glad I could provide my expertise, and hopefully the listeners enjoyed it and learned a little bit before this draft on Thursday. Dolphins. I I don't know. AFC don't East know the champs, time. man. AFC East champs. I – couldn't have cared less about the Dolphins. I mean, I knew he was a fan and he's my boy and everything. So I would I would casually follow him like you do. But now with that with that bold prediction out there, dude, I'm watching like every game. And every time they lose, I'm texting him like, dude, you're terrible. You're making us look bad. <laughs> yeah. I uh I don't know, man. I what I loved about that interview was how little we all knew about the Dolphins and their situation. Yeah. entirely like we we didn't know how many picks they had we didn't even necessarily know when they were picking we know at most six members of their roster and we're trying to give some sort of an informed opinion <laughs> i mean that's what we're all about dude i don't think i'm probably not alone in knowing that nothing about the, the dolphins i'm sure there's a lot of people out here who don't know anything about the dolphins so we're just trying to inform but that's it you know who lots of people know about, though? Who's that? The, the Mile High Denver Broncos. And they are going to make the playoff. I'm, I'm going to say that right now. Probably not going to win the division because Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are good. But I think they'll be a lot better. And what I think a lot of people don't realize is that they were so close to being like 10-6 and six last year, dude. They lost so many walk-off games. It's unbelievable. They last-second field goal against the Bears with the questionable roughing the passer call. Last-second field goal against the Jags, questionable roughing the passer call. Had a 20-point lead against the Vikings at halftime, blew it. Um, had a lead against the Colts. I think that was also a last-second field goal. Like, that's four games right there. And they won six. So, 
they that's ten and six right there. I mean, they just don't blow games. They they were decent, and and that's like half the season trying to figure out a quarterback. So, I think uh, I think with old Drew at the home, they'll be a lot better this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think he did show a lot of promise despite his really small hands, <laughs> and uh, you know. I we've yet to really truly figure out how relevant that is, uh, but hey, you know we'll we'll see we'll see yeah. how it how it works out for Drew. Yeah, but what do you think draft wise? What do you think? Yeah, with the Broncos. I don't know, man. Uh, I mean, rumors just keep coming on stronger and stronger that they're going to trade up for Judy, like eight or ten. So, but if they don't trade up for Judy, they're at fifteen. I saw a mock that had them picking rugs at 15. I'm not sure if he'll be there. I would personally love Jefferson, obviously, but that's just me personally. Uh, but then they have 46. That's the in the second round. And I think they should take a tackle, any of the tackles that Jacob mentioned, because Garrett Bowles is sorry. And they kind of had a revolving door at right tackle with injuries and stuff. Um, they picked up a guard from the Lions in the offseason, and they picked up a corner and a D tackle, but I still think they need another corner because they lost Chris Harris. That could possibly be their first. They have two third round picks. Their first third round pick, their second third round pick. I don't really know. Maybe a linebacker, but definitely wide receiver fifteen. If if you're gonna trade up, trade up for Judy. Don't trade up and get rugs. Um, and then definitely get a tackle. And then a cornerback, I think that I would be happy with wide receiver tackle cornerback in that order. So, I mean, with the with the Saints, I'm going to I'm going to go into the Saints a little bit. I don't really necessarily have an NFL team. I don't really quite care enough about the NFL to have a team, but I'll do the Saints just because they're local. And uh, the Saints pick 24th. And then, you know, they don't pick again until 88 in the third round. But that 24th pick, that's going to be interesting because I feel like it could be the perfect storm for the Saints to finally break that streak of not drafting LSU guys in the first <laughs> round. I, it's my understanding that they've never done it. Yeah. I could be wrong. That's what I but I. I think they've never taken an LSU player in the first round. And it's, you know, two guys that stick out um, are obviously Jay Jets and Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen is more of a need, especially after the Emmanuel Sanders signing. But, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson's a guy they could look at. I feel like with both guys, though, they would – probably have to trade up. I, I have this sneaky feeling that both are going to be gone at that point. Um, Patrick Queen is pretty hot right now. Um, so, you know, but the, Saint, this, the Saints have really shown a propensity to move up in the past. I mean, they've never really been scared of that because they've been in win-now mode since I was like 10 years old. <laughs> um, so... Times I mean, it, isn't that right? Like, haven't the Saints just been pushing back cap issues since we were, like, eight years old? I mean, ever so, since Drew, I think, honestly. Ever since they had Drew Brees, they've just been like, this is the year, this is the year, dude. Being around Saints fans the last four years, I couldn't tell you how many times I've heard, this is the year, this is the year, and then they get to the playoffs and 
c- catastrophes happen. And then that 88th pick, I, you know, I feel like I feel like they're taking a quarterback at some point. Yeah. But if I'm the Saints, if I'm the Saints, I'm either taking a quarterback with that 24th pick, um, and I guess if Jordan Love is there, they would do that because they have met with him a couple times. I'm not doing the third-round quarterback because <laughs> they the last time they tried to pull that, it was a young man by the name of Garrett Grayson from Colorado State. Yes, sir. I remember that. Boy, was I excited about that when I was a kid, and that did not work out. But don't disrespect the Rams like that, man. We got we're gonna have a lot of Ram fan listeners, so yeah. But I just remember they had a shot at Russell Wilson, and they didn't take it, and that disappointed me as a kid, and it it bit him. But I mean, you know, you can't you can't dwell on that. Because odds are he never would have started anyway. So, like, you know, you can't you can't dwell on that. Right. So, a guy that would maybe be there at 88 is a guy like Jake Eason. Jacob Eason, I remember when he was in high school, he was one of the – I mean, he was probably the number one quarterback in the country. Uh, top 10 overall recruit, if I remember right. So, the talent's there, but come on. I mean, Washington, no. <laughs> He's six. He's 6'6", 231, strong arm, whatever. I, I don't care. D- don't, don't do that. Third yeah. round, you probably need another receiver. You need something else more than you need Jacob Eason. So I, I feel like first round, um, you know, go for broke, man. Let it ride. If, if, <laughs> if there's somebody up there that you really want, go for broke. Go get them. Do what you got to do. Make it happen. I don't care. And yeah. then if you got to trade that 88th pick, trade it because what are you going to do? Take Jacob Eason? I don't think so. Or you really shouldn't. So I, I'm, you know, I'm excited, man. The draft is just so much fun. No matter who you're rooting for, no matter, you know, who your college team is, you know, whatever's going on, the, the draft is just fun. man. It's one of the funnest events of the whole year. And it's one of the few things that we still get despite all this stuff going on. So, so I'm excited, man. I'm yeah. really excited. going to be the most viewed draft in history, I think, just given the circumstances. But I'm going to love to see our analysis and see uh, what actually happens because obviously we know what we're talking about so much and we're NFL experts, right? Right. And just to <laughs> leave us on an LSU note before we uh, head out of here, Uh, I'm going to scroll through a sporting news mock draft, probably minimally credible, and I'm going to rattle off the LSU guys. Remember, our LSU boys need 15 guys drafted uh, to break the record for most players taken from a single school in a seven-round draft. The NFL switched to a seven-round draft in 1994, so to set that record, we would need 15 guys drafted. This sporting news mock has Joe Burrow one. I'm gonna keep scrolling. Uh, what do we got? We have Clavon Chason at 17 to the Cowboys. That would be interesting. That's two. Justin Jefferson to the Eagles at 21. That's three. Patrick Queen to the Saints at 24. I really wasn't even looking at that. That's four. Um, and then. 
Christian Fulton, 36 to the Giants. That's five. Grant Delpit, 41 to the Browns. That's six. That would continue the LSU satellite campus in Cleveland. <laughs> um, I mean, they just love LSU guys over there, and they're still really bad. Clyde uh, Edwards Helaire or Elair to the Atlanta Falcons at 47. What is that, Como? Six? Something like that. Uh, maybe. So we'll call the analytics department, see if we're <laughs> right on that. Um, <laughs> Lloyd Cushenberry to the Bengals at 65. Wouldn't that be cool? Teaming up with Joe Burrow, first pick of the third round. That's seven. And then uh, – uh, whatever. Who cares? We're going to have 20 guys drafted. I'm predicting it right now. Blake Ferguson, third-round pick. I'm here Blake for Ferguson's it. Blake Ferguson's the dark horse, man. We're going to be at 14 in, like, the seventh round, getting close to Mr. Relevant, and then somebody's just going to pick up Blake Ferguson, and it's going to be absolute bedlam in the Let It Ride podcast universe. Yes, yes, and I, I'm all here for it. He'll be the 15th guy. I just could not be more excited, and, you know, we're just going to keep letting it ride. As Blake Ferguson has always let it ride throughout his life, we will follow his example and continue to let it ride here on the Let It Ride podcast.